Hi there. Today we're talking about the seven stages of growth process with Steve Graham and Dobby Newman. If you're running a small business with 500 employees or less, you're going to want to know about this process. Here's a little bit of verbiage from our conversation today. This is something that Steve and Dobby share. One of the hardest things to do when you're running a company is to maintain alignment. You know, the more you move away from the details of the business when you're trying to run it, the more you assume that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then executives often say, well, I just wish the people were doing what they were supposed to do and were excited about it. Two of the outcomes of this stages of growth process is that you gain alignment and engagement. The executives and all the employees know that everyone is focusing on the right things and they're not on a different agenda. They have more energy behind the initiatives because they were involved and they know that they're tackling the right problems because our process has identified what they should be focusing on. They're all talking the same language and it, it makes such a difference to get the whole team aligned, on board, and focused. It's like a breath of fresh air. Can't wait to share it with you. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is Susie Price, and you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, where we cover everything related to helping you and the employees and the organizations you work in build a high-commitment, low-drama, Wake Up Eager workforce. Bottom line, we help organizations make the good decisions about their people, and those good decisions lead to a Wake Up Eager workforce, people who are engaged, committed and eager to come to work every day. There's no dread on Sunday evening when we've tapped into putting people in the right seats and we're leading and motivating and communicating with them based on their strengths and having this good connection with our employees. In this podcast and in the work we do every day, we provide tools, tips, and expert interviews for the entire employee life cycle. So we talk about hiring, onboarding, team building, leadership development, succession planning, and conflict resolution. If you have any questions or would like more information or suggestions for us around the podcast or anything we do, you can reach out to me, Susie Price. We have contact information at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E. So as you heard from the opening, today's topic is about the seven stages of growth, and it's for small companies, 500 or less. It's a great fit to our focus around creating a wake-up bigger workforce. Uh, It's episode 88, and the title is Seven Stages of Growth. And what we cover is we give you a discussion around the seven stages of growth, what it is. You're going to be able to understand the x-ray process, which is the assessment process they use and its impact. They give some really good examples about how it's used and and what they've seen. We're going to talk about different aspects of the process. So they have something called the builder-protector ratio, three grades of focus, the three faces of a leader. It really does put language to the seven stages of growth within a company and tells you exactly where you need to focus to gain the commitment and the 
leverage and the ability to go to the next stage, which is meaning the company continues to grow. One other thing that's weaved throughout the discussion is talking about fear, you know, the fear of a process like this, putting an x-ray over your business and, and how it can help you gain alignment. The fear is something that is natural that comes around when somebody's going to be poking around in your business. <laughs> These are great people. I know you're going to enjoy the episode. The way to find the show notes, we have links to a lot of things that we talk about, is you're going to go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash seven stages. So seven is spelled out, stages, S-E-V-E-N-S-T-A-G-E-S. That's always for our searching for things, trying to find the show notes. You can always make sure it's lowercase and it's all one word. So it's pricelessprofessional.com forward slash seven stages. Let me tell you a little bit about who I'm speaking with today. It's Steve Graham and Dobby Newman. I'm going to listen a little bit about Steve. He's the president and founder of the Oval Group. He spent 25 years in international domestic HR roles, uh, worked for several Fortune 50 companies. He founded the Oval Group in 2003, and they serve hundreds of U.S.-based clients, both domestically and internationally. His career uh, included being executive, entrepreneur, and a trusted advisor to CEOs, presidents, executives, and business owners. And his, his experience spans multiple industries, including food service, manufacturing, financial services, and insurance. I know Steve and Dobby because we are both part of TTI Success Insights, where we're all certified. He holds a certified professional behavioral analyst certification, certified professional behavioral analyst, CPHDA, which is the Certified Professional Trimetrics Analyst. He and Steve and I were just in the the Masters of Axiology program in February of this year. There's only 24 people in the world that are certified in axiology in this at this level, the master's level. And then he also handles emotional intelligence and has a certification there and then is is trained in the tools and of stages of growth, which is what we talk about today. His formal education is having an MBA where he majored in organizational and behavioral marketing and a BFA in theater and television. He's an active member of the Society of Human Resource Management and American Mensa. Dobby Newman is the vice president of the Oval Group. She's a marketing professional who honed her skills through 25 years of helping businesses formulate strategies that deliver results. Uh, She's built and led highly effective teams in the B2B, B2Business, and B2Consumer business markets. She marketing consumer and durables, financial services, and packaging for consumer goods, medium-sized to global Fortune 500s. Dobby joined the Oval Group in 2015, and prior to that, she was with Fortune 500 packaging companies. Uh, Her formal education includes an MBA, majoring in marketing and international business, and she has a lot of the same certifications that I talked about went around DISC and motivators and trimetrics. And uh, she's a great person. She and I uh, are in a mastermind group with uh, some other women. Uh, we call ourselves the Wonder Women. So we've gotten together over the years and meet once a week and have a mastermind. So I know them well. We have their contact information in the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash seven stages. Let's go to this discussion now. Thank you, Steve and Dobby. Appreciate you being here to talk about seven stages of growth. Good to good to have you. It's great to be here. We are thrilled to be here. Yes, yes. I love the work that you're doing, and I love this model. It's a brilliant model um, around business growth, and I think it's so important that small companies know about this. I think I, I have seen and worked with companies who didn't have a model, and they're just kind of trying to figure it out. 
And like I said, this is brilliant. Um, And it's the seven stages of growth for businesses under 500. Talk a little bit about this methodology. You know, what is it? How does it help? And just kind of give a framework for people who've never seen it or heard of it. You know, it's such a wonderful program, a template and a model for small businesses to learn what they need to do right now. You know, it, it would be helpful probably just to learn where it came from. You know, if you think about certainly, you know, when we were in business school during the the 80s and 90s, uh, the focus was on corporate America. You know, there were books like Good to Great, Fifth Discipline, Peter Sanye, you know, and everybody was focused on what what are the corporations doing? Let's do that, too. And what they weren't thinking about was small business. You know, as you said, you know, companies with less than 500 employees. So a man by the name of James Fisher said, I want to figure out what this is all about, went out and started to do some research. He really interviewed and worked with hundreds of small business owners to find out what made them successful and what didn't, what got in the way. And his work generated the model for the seven stages of growth. And there's some, essentially some basic things about it. So first of all, he learned there were seven distinct stages that companies go through from startup all the way to, you know, a 500 employee company. One of the key aspects is what really uh, delineated the difference between each stage was not how much money they made, it was how many employees they had. Because what he learned was the more employees you got, the more complexity you get and the more of a challenge it becomes. You know, we people that start businesses, they do it because they're good at it. It's something they love. It's, it's real something that makes sense to them, but nobody ever really taught them. Even if they go to school, they're not always taught how to manage the folks, how to manage the people and how to get that going. So this generated a template of what's important for each, for success at each of the stages. And it differs each time. And there's a whole lot that goes into it. So I don't want to just run on, but uh, essentially what it does is it provides a template that allows a company to compare where they are today at their stage of growth against what the model shows you really need to be doing to be successful. So what are you missing? What haven't you done? Because we don't know what we don't know. That's brilliant. And I think it's, I did think it was so interesting that it's on employees, not revenue. So that's interesting because when you talk to any small business owner, what they talk to in terms of where their business is, is about revenue. And so, you know, so that's probably a change, but it's interesting that this research, I mean, I think it was like, 30 years of research or something like that, isn't it? It Well, it was done about at least 20, maybe 30 years ago now that he was doing the work. But he, yeah, he did it for at least 15, I think, years, 15 to 20 years. He worked with Lori Taylor at the Origin Institute, and they put this together. And of course, we work with Lori now. And one of the reasons for the employee definition, Susie, is that the more people involved in an organization, the more channels of communication yes. are required to keep everybody aligned and and doing the right and appropriate work. And what I think is also fascinating is, so you've got that and that makes Mm -hmm. so much sense. It's so practical. And then what it also does is it tells you everything like number of managers, number Mm -hmm. of executives and the builder protector ratio, the focus. I'm just going to kind of read through what I'm looking as I look at the model. I mean, it's not just, it's a template, but it's a complete template of every aspect of the business. And like you said, Stephen, it kind of ties to the people part. How do they lead? How do they manage the complexity of the communication? Because it's 
I mean, if you don't communicate, then you're not going to get the product out the door. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes all they do is focus on the product. It's like, okay, how do I communicate all of this? And, you know, the challenges that they face, it talks about that. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's an amazing roadmap. Amazing. It, you're absolutely right. It, it's a process that we take companies through. And, you know, it kind of starts with the CEO or the, the owner or the president, whoever the, the head person of the organization is, and their leadership team. And that could be any number of people. But what the key is here, as Dobby mentioned before, people don't don't always understand what's going on below them. You know what, what? There's something real interesting here. What happens in an organization is as you grow, you become separated from where the action is. You don't always know what's going on. But the people that work for you might. And, you know, uh, even in meetings, people get together all the time and talk, but they don't always talk about what they need to talk about because they don't even know it's important. And what this does is it tells you, here's the things you need to be able to to get working to be successful. And what's nice about this program is it does start with a set of pretty simple assessments, business assessments that generate what we call a business x-ray. And then in a two-day workshop, we help that team come up with the top five initiatives or actions that they need to take right now to make a difference. Who's going to do it? When's it going to get done? And what's it going to look like when you're finished? Why will it make a difference? One of the things we've seen in working with our clients over the course of these two-day sessions is just an incredible transformation in either how the leadership team as a whole sees the business, uh, how they see their role, or if it's a smaller company like a you know owner entrepreneur organization, how the CEO, the owner entrepreneur, has a moment, you know, has space to breathe and to actually focus and think about the big picture for their business. The dramatic improvements that our clients experience as a result of this work, to me, Susie, is breathtaking. Yeah, just breathtaking. I mean, if you'd like, I can share a couple of examples. I was going to say, say yeah. more. Breathtaking yeah. makes me say, oh, I want to know more. Because yeah. <laughs> I can imagine, I mean, we always have to have a model. We need to have carve out space to think about the business. Not, you know, years ago, everybody loved the book, The E-Myth, you know, and it was mm-hmm. all about don't work on the business. What was it? What is it? Don't, don't work don't, in don't the Don't work in the business, work, work on, on the business. Work on the business. You yep. get some space, like what you were just saying. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, tell me a little bit about some of the things you see. I mean, is it, do you see results pretty quickly once you've just done the survey and the, you know, the two day workshop? Does that, does that, it sounds like that's transformational. It is transformational. And and so we see results, first of all, in the two day session in terms of the reaction of the leaders and the focus. Um, But, but let me just walk you through a story. We just wrapped up uh, the third x-ray in a series uh, with a client who, when this, this particular owner, uh, took this company, took the helm of this company when it was uh, what we call a stage two company, which is a company in ramp up. It had 13 employees, CEO centric. Um, He really wanted to focus on growth at this point. And when that happens, it starts to move beyond the owner's span of control. So basically from when he took this business to when we we started the initial x-ray, he had already moved from 13 employees up to a stage five organization, which is just under 95 employees, the integration stage. And just to to be clear on that, just so that people understand what this means, the stage before and stage four, you built 
the beginnings of a leadership team. It's no longer CEO centric. Now you have to have functional leaders that can help you run this business. Stage five is called integration. It's at 58 to 95 employees. And when you, when you reach this stage, now the focus is on getting that leadership team to actually recognize that they are a functional <laughs> leadership team. They're not working in silos. They have to think about the organization and they have to literally run the organization because the, the CEO starts to think a little more outward at this point to become a little more visionary as opposed to, you know, being in the detail of the business. And they think about the company as a whole, as opposed to just their own functions. So when we first did the initial x-ray, and this was back in March, 2022, so not that long ago, really, in the grand scheme of things, they were very young team. Some of them were more experienced in the business. Some were brand new. Some were quite young. And we don't think at the beginning of the conversation that they didn't all have their voices. I don't think they all had the awareness that they were actually responsible for the overall enterprise. And they as individuals had been experiencing just a ton of chaos due to the rapid growth. And they you know, were barely getting their hands around things. And they had a very entrepreneurial CEO who just had so many ideas and so much that he wanted to do, and he loved to move so quickly. So, well, I was just saying to put yeah. it in perspective, they loved him. So, whenever he came up with an idea, they were all gung ho to jump like, on the yes. bandwagon. Let's yeah. go do yeah. that. Oh, that's a great idea. And before they knew it, they were just running in circles, doing so many things. You know, it wasn't clear. Yeah. They didn't yeah. have real clarity. But what was important was going through this workshop. What you do is each person has an opportunity to share candidly what they're seeing in the business. And typically, they don't have those kind of conversations. Yeah. So it's it's what we call like an open kimono discussion. Yeah. You know, the information that you put when you answer the uh, assessments are information that you then speak to and say, well, here's why I said that. Here's And here's what I'm seeing. And people go, oh. Oh, you're seeing this. Tell us more about that. And now they're focusing on very specific things and everyone gets to talk the same language. Yeah. And we Um, saw some of them find their voice over the two days. We saw, you know, them have courage to challenge each other, to Mm -hmm. speak openly. By the way, the CEO in these sessions really is not supposed to speak until last. You know, they're, they speak last, if you will, because the CEO at this point is trying to hear what these leaders have to say. And if yeah. the CEO is dominant, then whatever the CEO says, everybody follows along. Yep. That's a really good facilitation technique for any leader when they're doing any kind of group thing with their team, be the last one to speak up. And that's so cool. How big is the team? Like it says here on your, on your, which it, this wonderful template says yeah. integration 58 to 95 employees. And usually the number of managers is 11 to 16, and the number of executives is four to five. So it even yeah. gives a time there. Was it about that size? Yeah. So the yeah. with the with the CEO, it was five. So when they walked in the room and we started talking, we could see the weight that was on their shoulders. And some of the things, by the way, that they were experiencing at the time, high employee turnover, weak communication flows, they lacked the people-related processes and structure necessary to help them progress into a larger business. So through the x-ray process, we helped them understand, uh, first of all, that what they were experiencing was normal because they were literally about to move into stage six, which is the strategic stage, which is a whole other thing. And when you go from stage five to stage six, 
there's what we call this flood zone that happens where you're literally the team is drowning in work. And that's exactly, you know, and we could create that visual for them. And so it sort of gave them a sense of, oh, okay, this is actually normal and it's fixable. So the team's in a completely different place now. As part of this uh, series of x-rays, recently uh, they they conducted an employee survey and showed significant improvement in how they interact and engage with their staff. They now have structured and standard processes for regular employee manager check-ins. They you know beefed up their employee review process. They beefed up their training and development, which by, by the way, were parts of the focus for the stage. They've added now, in the last one we just did, they are in stage six and They've added two much-needed additional functional leaders, really important additions to the team. And they participated in this last X-ray. And the point here is so that the CEO can now start to spend even more time facing outward and building the business for the future. So because when you're strategic, you have to be looking outwardly. So involving more leadership in the strategic process. And by the way, they have dramatically reduced turnover, which is huge, huge. They're much more focused on the top priorities. Their revenue and profits have improved. I mean, this has all happened over 18 months. Wow. Phenomenal. And what happens is we do an x-ray at the beginning. We do it again at six months to see how things have changed. And they give the same input. And it's really fascinating, you know, because we have all of this research-backed information. So we can share you know, what are the core master processes that a company should have in place by this time? And then they get to look at it and think, oh, do we have that? Do we not have that? Oh, maybe this is something we should do. So they generate and get consensus on what's important as a group. They really become a cohesive team through the process. Yeah. And, you know, you asked, well, so what happens after day one? Well, that was the, the big picture. But typically what happens is then for those next six months, they are working these initiatives. And we are part of that process in terms of helping them with the check-ins, the progress, helping them course correct or adjust, providing, you know, coaching and, and counseling through the process. In some cases, some of our, you know, additional services like the employee survey, for example. So it depends. They're not always HR related topics that are the issue, but in this particular company, that was definitely the focus. Yeah. Wow. You know, one of the things we talk about is the gates of focus. You know, there are three gates of focus through which you can see problems. It could be people, it could be process, or it could be profit. And we tend to look at one or the other, but it it may be a different gate that's causing the problem. You know, if something's not working, is this a people problem? Is it because the process is broken or not in place? Or is it because you're not focusing on getting enough money or having the resources to get it done? Like what's causing, how do you get to the root cause of the problem. We say, if you can name a problem, you can fix it. Yeah. You know, and if you can get to the root cause, then you can focus on the right things. Yeah. Yeah. And things are swirling around us. So you don't have the, you know, awareness of how do I put words to what's going on? And you don't have like what should be going on right now, which is what this model shows, you know, like, so they were integration. So for example, you were saying the three gates of focus. So at integration, that out of the three great gates of focus, it says the first priority is profit, then people, then process. But right. once they move to strategic, which gives them, you know, more employees and uh, more managers and more people, then the people focus is first above profit and process. Yes. So it, it really, I mean, 
you know, with awareness, we can fix things. If I know, if I get on the scale and I know that my weight is, I mean, something as basic as that is more than I want it to be, which it is not right now, by the way, <laughs> which is a good thing. <laughs> Actually hit a new good number today. Oh, um, congrats. You get congrats. On the scale, yeah. yeah, if you get on the scale and you see it, then you can say, oh, that's where I'm at. You know, exactly. but if you don't ever can't get on the scale or like an x-ray or x-ray says what's broken, you know, exactly. that's why y'all yeah. an x-ray. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. See, as much as founders and entrepreneurial companies that are growing and strong minded visionary CEOs could use this, I can imagine because I know I've done in and done, gone in and done not a whole program at all like this, but maybe they ask you to do a team survey or, you know, do individual things. Sometimes they are, they say they want it, but they're fearful of it because they don't really want to be directed. I mean, I would think that would be typical. A lot of people who are high individualistic political and want their own company and want to run it and want to go. It's like, well, yeah, I kind of want to know, but you know, how much is this going to force me? I know you've got to, I mean, it's underlining things that don't get said, but that cause people to not want to expose. I mean, to, to be under an x-ray is to mm-hmm. be exposed. To get on the scale, I have yeah. to admit, oh, I've been eating cookies and ice cream for yeah. you know, <laughs> weeks at a time, which I have not, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean? You have, so some people avoid the scale because they just don't want to know. Yeah, um, So you run into that, I bet, don't you? I mean, that's a human dynamic and you it's, just have to sure. lay it out. There fear. And talk, it, you know? It's fear, right? I mean, it's like any intervention, if you will. Yeah. You, you can only help if the person is willing to be helped. Yes. Yeah. And they have to be feeling enough pain to yeah. want the help. I mean, if the if the CEO, this has to be something the CEO wants for their business. Yes. Yeah. Because if they don't, it won't work. And you know, we wouldn't want to, you know, force it on somebody if they're not no. comfortable. Yeah. Well, you two would never do that because I know you both so well. <laughs> How do you get the CEO engaged? So the CEO's kind of you know mm-hmm. said, okay, I think I'm interested, but I really don't want to get on the scale kind of, you know, push pull a little bit. I mean, how do you help them get comfortable with those normal feelings? It's like anytime anybody oh, yeah. takes an assessment, you know, like, oh my gosh, I want to hear what you say, but I don't really want to hear it because it makes me yeah. nervous. <laughs> you know, that's really, really insightful, Susie. I think there's a couple of things here. One is the hardest thing to do when you're running a company is to maintain alignment. You know, the more you get away from the details of the business when you're trying to run it, the more you assume that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But the CEO, more than anything, and this is one of the outcomes of this process, is you gain alignment on the focus for the business. You know that everyone is focusing on the same things, on the right things, and not on a different agenda. Number two is you get engagement from your folks. So what some CEOs will say is, I just wish that people were doing what they were supposed to do and were excited about it. Well, this this gets that because it's their ideas that we're focusing on as a result of the discussion. And then you get to implementation and going through the process, you know what's going to be done, when it's going to be done, who's going to do it, what it's going to look like. You're all talking the same language all of a sudden. Makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, The three three words that we use to describe the x-ray are... Alignment, engagement, and implementation. Yes. Yeah. I just captured those. Yep. Three great words. You know, and how many times do you hear, and I hear it a lot, and I know y'all do too. I just want them to own their job. Oh, yes. <laughs> this will, I want them this to own will their job. The, oh. They will yeah. have energy behind these initiatives because they yes. decided mm-hmm. that they were important 
and based yeah. on on what they assessed, you know, were, were problems for the company. Yeah, you know, I I wish I had known what I know from this when I first started out in my business, and I yeah. wish I knew a lot of this when I worked in the corporate world because I worked for corporations for twenty five plus years, and yeah. you know what I found the hardest thing to do when I was younger was to learn how to delegate effectively. It, it's kind of like a myth you don't realize the more you delegate, the more you get done. But yeah. you can, but but only if the people that are doing it know what they're supposed to be doing, have clarity of direction. They know what it's supposed to look like when it's done. And you're all talking the same line. Yeah. And that, that makes such a difference to get the whole team aligned on board and focused. Yeah. It's like a breath of fresh air. What was the word you used, Dobby? It was uh, magical. Was it magical? Breathtaking. 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 I know it's a good word. I should have written it down. So it is, you know, why it's breathtaking? Because it so rarely happens. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe the results. That's why we're so passionate about this work because we have seen the transformation. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're also working with a stage one client. Stage one is startup, but in this case, this company's been around for more than 30 years. And they're still in stage one. They'll probably is- never be larger than. Stage yeah. one, because they don't need more than 10 employees to do what yeah. they do. But over time, even at a stage one company, they end up going through and having to face all of the challenges that that are, have been uh, identified as key for small businesses. There are 27 challenges that we look at. You know, one of the things uh, we do is give people an opportunity to rank them. And what are the top five you're having to deal with right now? And we know that at each stage, the top five challenges change, and for each business, they might be slightly different. Yeah. But but there's you know uh, we talk about uh, four primary rules that that go along with the seven stages of growth, and one of those that's really important is you know whatever you don't do in one stage, it doesn't go away. It's going to come back to haunt you if you don't do it. So you need to go back and look at what you haven't done and make sure you've got, you know, the things in place that'll prevent you from uh, getting in your way as you try to grow moving forward. That's awesome. So I want to come back to the four rules and have you list those. But what I was going to show it, read through is I've got the model here in front of me. Uh, So for startup, I was just going to read through it and then maybe you can talk to any piece of this. But so, for example, in startup, it's number of employees, one to 10, number of managers, zero, number of executives, one, Mm -hmm. builder protector ratio, four to one. What's the Mm -hmm. builder protector ratio? Great question. The builder protector ratio. A builder is somebody who is... Uh, looking forward, wants to grow, coming up with new ideas, moving forward all the time. The protector is somebody who is trying to make sure you keep what you got. So it's also sometimes called a confidence caution ratio. And you need a certain amount of confidence and you also need some caution so you don't make mistakes. So at each stage, it's different. As you as you said, at stage one, it's four to one, meaning if you got five people, four of them should be builders. One of them should be a protector. Right? Yes, but it is important to note. And in this one company, the CFO said, "Well, I'm the protector." Yeah. But it's not <laughs> functional. It's a mindset. Yes. Yeah. So you yeah, could be a builder yeah. at some point in time, and then you could yeah. be a protector. And it could at yeah. Exactly. Like kind of your focus. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting because you look across. Once it gets bigger, you know, and it changes. It's one to one ratio at some points. And uh-huh. it's, 
three to one ratio, two to one ratio, depending on what stage you're in, which is that's right. fascinating. What if you know that? Then you know that's the mindset I need to have. Okay, so then I'm going to keep going. Three yeah. gates of focus, which we already talked about for a startup, uh-huh. just makes so much sense. It's profit is the number one priority, then people, then process. And then this is interesting, CEO modality. Right. Uh, manager modality, staff modality. So this must be how they must need to be. It's yeah, it's a it's a it's a way of showing up. So, you know, are you dominant, are you supportive, or are you facilitative? You know, and somebody who's dominant is going to be in charge, they're going to set the direction, they're going to make sure things happen their way or the highway. I mean, they're in charge, right? Supportive is somebody who says, How can I help you? How do I help you make make this happen? And facilitative is is making it work, you know, just getting in there and doing it. So making it easy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that changes at each stage, the CEO's role, the manager role, and the staff role. Yeah. Yeah. So for each stage, the CEO has one of those roles. The management staff has a different role and the uh, support staff has uh, the, the third one. So the three are always present. But who takes on which role changes as the, you know, as you grow. Yes. How brilliant is that? It's it really so is. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, and it, it's so interesting because the names of the stages are really indicative of what people are going through at that stage. You know, stage one is called startup. And, you know, the Do- the company Dobby talked about that we're dealing with, they're not really in startup mode because they still have less than 10 employees, but a startup is where it really is CEO dominant. You know, it's somebody's got this idea, they're bringing, building it out of dust, and, and you know, they are really holding up the banner and saying, "Let's make this work." You know, get it to market. Let's let's make this a reality. And that those are the things you have to do as you grow. You know, the the big big one of the biggest changes happens between stage two and stage three. In stage two, that's that's when you go from nineteen to twenty. It's that 20 employee. It's amazing the difference it makes because stage two is called ramp up. You know, you're now, you know, you're going to make it, but now you want to get bigger. You want to grow. You want to move to the next level. But stage three is called delegation. And here's the reason it's because the company moves from CEO centric in, in stage one and two to enterprise centric in stage three. It's the hardest thing for a CEO to do is to let go. And mm-hmm. you, you I've get, seen that. <laughs> oh, I've, I've lived through that. And you, know, yeah. you have to be able to put people in place who are in charge of what they're doing, who are and and let go and let them do it. And it makes a big difference. And that's why people become primary gate of focus because yep. you're changing. And then it's profit, still profit. And then it's process. And the CEO becomes more facilitative at that point as opposed to dominant because he's got to help. He's got to figure out how do you get these people that are running the various functional areas, how does he delegate that authority, the responsibility and the and the accountability? I mean, you can't delegate accountability, but you delegate authority and responsibility combined. Make it yeah. clear what they have yeah. to do. Is this about the time when the founder ends up getting replaced by somebody else? I, you know, you sometimes, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. 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 In fact, uh, Lori Taylor told us a story of a session she facilitated where it was uh, a stage three and they all did the x-ray. And uh, when she walked into the, the two-day session, the CEO said, I have learned that I should not be the CEO anymore. <laughs> yes. Volunteered. Yeah. Said, I'm not wow. ready. This is not my wheelhouse. This I am not. not yeah. This is not me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, which I think is interesting because we know what we know in regard to, you know, the assessments that we use. We know that playing to someone's strengths and somebody's strengths being a match for the role. Some people are more flexible in that than others. And that's what I was thinking as I looked at this. It's like, oh, that explains a lot, you know, when the founder has to say. But it sounds like, I mean, sometimes people can, can some people, some CEOs go all the way through the process because of how they're built. They're a little bit more flexible. and They can. Uh, people can grow. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. can grow. They can change. In fact, the CEO has to grow and change in terms of their, their skills, you know, their focus through the course of the stages if they are to grow with the company. Yeah. Big, yeah. One of the biggest challenges I've seen for leaders to take on is the ability to realize they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And they don't have to have the answers. In yeah. Yeah, and be open to hard that. To, hard to let go of that yeah. control. Uh, it, when you start a company and it's your baby. Yeah. You, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the hard Tough. Yeah, I could totally see that. And you see that in the news. You see where CEOs get, you know, bumped out. And then we see it in the businesses we work with. So I'm going to go through the rest of the startup yeah. because I started it. And then I want to come back to the four rules. But sure. so we said CEO modality, and we talked about dominant, supportive, or facilitative, and it changes for the different staff modes. Three faces of a leader. That's the thing where they get a percentage. When are you a visionary? When are you a manager? When are you a specialist? That's so that's right. more guidance for the leader. I mean, so you're given the CEO tools mm-hmm. to say, this is how you need to drive right now. That's exactly right. You know, uh, at some point, the CEO is visionary. They're at, at several stages. You know, they visionary is most important for them. And, you know, the yeah. visionary sets the direction, says, here's where we're going, keeps people clear on what yeah, the they're looking be. for the future exactly, yeah, yeah. and they start to face more outward, right? Where it's the managers more action focused. They keep people focused on the right things. The specialist is the technician. It's you know sometimes in startup the CEO is multiple things. They're also the specialist. Specialist. <laughs> yeah. They're they're yeah. the one that knows how to make this widget work. You know, and, and yeah. That would be my business. Yes, I'm the visionary (laughs) and the specialist, right? There you go. It's so interesting. They're 40% the visionary, the CE, the three faces of a leader is visionary. Startup is 40%. Ramp up is 40%. Then he goes to stage three, has to go all the way. She could be she, of course. Of course, but I keep saying he. But delegation, 10%. That's that phase or that stage. And then professional, they're 10% visionary. Then they ramp back up to integration, which is 30% visionary. And that's when you have up to 95 employees. Then they're going higher. They're back to being visionary again, strategic uh, to 160 employees. And then once they're in the visionary stage, which is stage seven, that's up to 500, they're back. They're 75% visionary. So exactly. I mean, what a cool roadmap. I mean, I think that's, keep saying how fascinating it, it is. is. But, it is. It is. And, it, and it worked. And it works. And, you yeah. know, some of, when you look at it and you start to learn it, it seems obvious, but, you know, it it's all there in one place mm-hmm. and it, and the rules are defined for you. And yeah. this, this stuff is right. That, that's the crazy part. Like when yeah, you go really from it out. visionary, you know, startup and, and ramp up to delegation, you're, you become 60% of your time is spent being a manager because you have to train the people under you to do the things that you were doing so that the company can grow because you only have so much time in a day to do the things you were doing in startup. Yep. That's fascinating. Talk about the four rules. Because I think that they're really instructive. Sure. Yeah. So there are four rules that govern the seven stages of growth. First one is the movement from one stage of growth to another begins as soon as you land in any stage. 
So if you are a company on a growth trajectory and you are going to continue to grow your employees, once you've landed in a stage, you are already preparing for the next because when you get there, it's going to be the floor is going to drop out unless you know you have those things. But <laughs> you're place. ready, so you got to be pre-paving, always looking ahead, which is great. It keeps people who are maybe naturally futuristic focused to be futuristic focused, and they know what they need to focus on. That's amazing. Okay, exactly. And then the second rule is, as Steve said, what you don't get done in a specific stage of growth does not go away. In fact, in many of these X-rays, you know, this this recent company, they a new issue, a new top five challenge came up for them that was actually in stage four. And it just, it, it it had been there all along, but it hadn't been recognized because there were so many other things that had to get done before it showed up and it showed up in the employee survey. So that was a huge eye opener for them. And so you really have to get the things done in the earlier stages at some point in time or another, or they will come back to bite you. Yeah, that's that's a great rule. The third one is time will make a difference. So if you are speeding through stages, you are going to be trying to catch your breath because there's so much that has to be done at each stage to really, you know, you're building a foundation for your business. That's really the way to think about it. You know, if you have a house and the foundation isn't solid, you're going to have cracks. You're going to have problems. And if the earth shakes, ugh. so when you have time, you have more time. But if you're going quickly, it just speeds up the acceleration to put things in place. And so it's really just an indication of of pace. And if you aren't growing, you're dying. And this is one of the fundamental theories. That's the fourth rule behind uh, stages of growth. It's, you know, they, James Fisher used to talk about the, you know, the life cycle of a caterpillar. You know, if you think about an organization, you know, there's the, uh, the, the, uh, the chrysalis that forms in, in the spring and ultimately new development happens. And then, you know, the butterfly is is born and every company goes through those kinds of transformations you know you think about any development and any self help for example you know you always have to sort of go inward and take some time to you know learn new things build new strengths before flying and that's sort of the um, uh the imagery uh around the seven stages of growth is it's worth that's- investing that time to regroup and reform and regenerate and build strength. Great analogy. That's a great analogy. Yes. Mm. That's awesome. We're going to come to a close with some of our get to know you questions, but I love introducing this model. I love making sure that people who are in smaller businesses are aware of this and are aware of you because my objective is to prefer people to you for this work because I trust you. I've known both of you for many years. Dobby and I are in mastermind together. Steve and I went through training together <laughs> for our master axiology and just a, just and I've known you for years. So I know that they're in good hands if they reach out to you. So just thank you for sharing this part with us. And, and I think you have a quiz that we're going to put on our website mm-hmm. that people can go to. It'll be linked to in the show notes, but it's a quiz where they can kind of go through and complete the 27 items just for themselves. Yeah. Is that so, what that is? Tell, tell a little bit yep. about that. Yeah. So uh, there are 27 challenges in this model. And, uh, you know, I think we've talked, you know, through there are typically five that are the primary common challenges in any stage of growth across, you know, the research that was conducted. And so what we ask people to do is look at this list. It's very simple. It doesn't take very long. You look at the list, you pick your, what you think are the top five that you're experiencing right now. Yeah. And 
And what we'll do is if they, if, when they complete that, we'll let them, we'll show them how they relate to what the five challenges should be at their current stage of growth. Oh, and, that's and, interesting. And, you know, because what you'll see and what we have seen in the past is sometimes the issues people are facing were from a previous stage of growth that they never fixed. You know, it's like uh, that second rule, what you don't fix doesn't go away, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's really, it's, it yeah, can be a real life eye opener. Very yeah. simple exercise. It's fun. And, you know, just even reading through the 27 challenges can be eye opening for somebody to say, oh, I hadn't realized, you know, this, this might be an issue. Yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah. And, and part, part of what we do in the x-ray is give the whole leadership team a chance to actually do that independently look at it. And, and then we look at all the answers and see, all right, so where is the company from the perspective of all of the folks, not just the CEO? And the CEO also gets to see how is it different from what they think? Yeah. The oh, that's fascinating. Because yeah. I think it, so anybody could, whether they're the CEO or not, and they're just interested in this process or thinking about if this would be a fit for us. If yeah. they go look at the quiz, they'll get some feedback from you and they'll just have a better idea and kind of can examine, you know, whether this is a fit for something in the future for them. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, I just, I, I did want to mention, Susie, you know, for people that are listening to this, if you feel like there's excessive chaos in your organization. You know, if you feel like you're drowning, if you feel like you just have, you know, lack of clarity of focus, it's worth evaluating this as an option. Yeah. I just, as you said, those descriptors, I thought, oh, I need to tell them about such and such a company because <laughs> that is, because uh, <laughs> I'm working really closely with the HR director and it's like, hmm. Yeah, that's happening. Drowning, lack of focus, <laughs> chaos, not aligned. You know, I mean, yeah. it's obvious, but I didn't think of it yeah. until just now when you said that. So those are really good. Oh, good. good. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. One other thing that I think people are probably thinking is not financial commitment because that's private, but how much commitment? Like, so you've got the two day workshop, you got the X ray. What are, are, are you with them forever? Are you with them as much as they want? Or how does it work? I mean, because I, I would think that people are thinking that now. It's like, okay, if I even go take that quiz, what am I stepping into even to examine this? And so we want to answer that so people know how much flexibility there is or yeah. isn't. So that's a great question. Uh, the first, there's a, a first X ray in the initial two days. And after that, it's a six month process. So there's a second X ray after six months. So during that six-month time period, the team is working on the initiatives. Uh, we do a, an initial check-in, and then the check-ins will depend on the team mm -hmm. uh, when they need us. Sometimes it's with the whole group. Sometimes it's with an individual with a specific initiative where we can really help. Uh, so it really depends on the company and how much help they want. Some of our clients uh, prefer more help than others. It depends on what stage you're in as well, if you have the functional expertise to complete the initiatives. Oh, that's um, great. So it's a six-month window. After six months, that may be it. It yeah. just depends uh, if you, you know, like with this company that I talked about, um, we we did this the second x-ray, but they had gone from stage five to say stage six over that six-month period. And so they felt like, gee, we just entered stage six. Let's go another six months. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. 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 I would think that would appeal to the entrepreneurial listener yeah. uh, and owner is like, okay, I want to be able to get your support, but I want to flex how much I do or don't do it. You know, so I didn't know how that was said. I didn't want that to be a stumbling block if somebody 
is interested in this model. We'll have a, a link to the model, the image of the model in the show notes too, if that's okay with you guys, that sure. so people can see it, what we spoke mm-hmm. to, because I'm speaking to it, but I just think it would be interesting to people mm-hmm. to see that. So that's great. So thank you for sharing all of that. I'd love for people to know more about both of you. So let's take a few minutes there and, and talk a little bit about one thing that I'm passionate about is waking up eager. And waking up eager is about not just in the morning I'm waking up, but it's that whole thing about having self-direction and, and you know, knowing who I am and where I'm going and what my worth is. When I put my feet on the floor, I know what I'm going to do every day. I'm um, having that kind of vibe. And so I thought you both could share a little bit about mind, body, spirit, What? because I think it's instructive for people, what you are doing right now to help you have more of that sense of self-direction and feel good days in mind, body, and spirit. What are some of your favorite things? Who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, So for me, first of all, sleep. (laughs) I find sleep is the best activity for my mind because that that physical rest, and I do typically like a good seven, eight hours a night because it it helps me refresh. Uh, Is anything specific you do to make sure you get good sleep? Because some people are struggling with sleep. Honestly, there are some nights where my mind, it's hard to shut my mind off. Techniques that often work for me are just reading. You know, it helps you focus your attention uh, on one thing and you get lost in the story or whatever it is that you're reading. I turn the lights off. I have a Kindle and I have it on low light. So I don't have a lot of, you know, distractions. I like to keep the noise low and just get into a quiet state. Nice. And that usually helps. Sometimes I fall asleep holding the book. Oh, that's good. Well, the Kindle doesn't give you that blue light, which they say with our circadian rhythm or something. So cool. Yeah. So, and then the, the, the next most important thing for me is exercise. And I try to do that five times a week if I can. And I mix it up, you know, between walking, cycling, strength training, hiking, anything that I can do to be moving my body, because that's also very good for the mind as well as the body. And I have done that my entire life. Uh, that yeah. will never change for me. And the third thing is eating high quality, clean food. We cook most of our meals from scratch. You know, there's not a lot of processed food. Buy locally, go to the farmer's market, buy uh, organic, you know, well-treated proteins. And just what you put into your body is really, really important. So those, for me, those are the three things. Love it. Love it. Steve, what would you say for you? Well, for me, you know, mind uh, really for me is like mental clarity. I, I love to do puzzles. I do Wordle daily. I love to. Oh, do- you do? Yeah, yeah, I love to do crosswords. I just like to keep my mind active. Uh, I'm a, an avid learner, constantly reading and researching, and that's that's real important to me. But it's also I find, you know, I don't know who said this, but I would love to be able to, you know, uh, attribute the quotation. But somebody once said, you know, uh, doing what you like, hey, that's freedom. But liking what you do, that's happiness. So Um, make sure you choose to do something you like and make time for that. So, you know, I like to work. I like to build things. I like to work in the wood shop and being by myself. It just brings me back to a a sense of clarity, Uh, you know, having some personal time, carving out those moments when you can do those kinds of things really makes a difference for me. I would say spiritually uh, family first, you know. And helping others is real important. Just making sure that part of what we do is helping people. That's why we love this work, because it just, it's so rewarding 
to to see the difference and to hear the positive uh, feedback you get from folks. Yeah, y'all are what I would say, and that's why we're part of the same inner circle. I think is real go givers, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and and uh, your intention is to serve. You're practical yes. and all of that, but your intention is to serve. You know, yes. and that's yes. that's a beautiful thing. We're yeah. both high intentionals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Okay. So what advice would you give your 25 year old self? <laughs> I'd say buy Microsoft and Tesla. <laughs> no, um, I, um, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Was I, Tesla know, around 25 years ago? No, no. but no, but <laughs> what, what I would tell myself is trust yourself. Yeah. You, you probably have good instincts. Don't get swayed. I wanted to buy Tesla stock many years ago and everybody said, don't do it. It's overpriced. I should have done it. So, and I knew it, I could, you know, trust it with Tesla and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. For me, uh, don't work quite so hard. (laughs) You know, I did take five years off when we had kids, which I am very grateful for. But once, you know, I went back to work, I put it into overdrive and I just wish I had spent more time, you know, with my family. During those years, I, I just had, uh, you know, a lot of ambition and a lot of things I wanted to do. And now I've, I've got a, a really great quality of life and balance. And I, I just wish I'd known more that it was okay to do that back yeah. then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Two more questions. And mm-hmm. one is a kind of a, what are you thinking kind of question, but it is, if you could put a billboard for the world to see, where would you put a billboard and what would you say on it? So I had a really hard time with the where, but I finally decided on the busiest airport in the world because Uh there would be a lot of people who would see it, a lot of traffic. And it would say, everyone has something worth appreciating. Find it. Oh, I love that. Everyone has something worth appreciating. Find it. Yes. What a great mindset. What if we look for that every minute of every day in everybody we meant? Instead of the negativity. Yes. How do we... Yeah. because and that's what we do right in our in our work like with disc mm-hmm. and driving forces and everything else yep. is everybody has something to offer yeah yes yes and you know minute people get their report the first thing i mean this is how ingrained it is in our culture the first thing people do when they get their assessment 90 percent of the time is look at where it's something that they think is negative and that's what they focus on yeah yeah because we're so oriented that way so yeah i like your orientation cool what about you steve I to get the best reach, it would definitely be a digital billboard somewhere okay. in the ether where multiple people could see it. I would tell people, you know, th- there's a real tendency to focus on the negative for some reason. You know, we always look at what's wrong, what isn't working. I would turn it the other way around and find an optimistic answer. When you when you've got an issue, figure out what the positive side is. Don't look for the negative purposely look for what is good and positive about what you're dealing with as opposed to the negative side and trying to reverse it. Yeah. It's interesting from the positive too, you can now start to see solutions that you didn't see when you're saying this is wrong, this is wrong. You kind of just get stuck in what's wrong. I think that's my Mm -hmm. experience. It's true. Certainly always having to re-remind myself to reorient, but Mm -hmm. yes. Awesome. I love your billboards. So we'll close with having each of you Talk about advice or wisdom you would want leaders to take away from this discussion about seven stages of growth and growing their business. Yeah, uh, so that's an easy one for me. And it's whatever challenges you are facing right now, 
someone else has faced before. Mm. So ask for help. Chances are the x-ray process can help you overcome them. That's, well, you know, it's not that different from what I was going to say. That's interesting. Um, you know, maybe it's human nature, but when someone takes on a new role, people think uh, because they have the title, they should know what to do and have all the answers. But hey, you know, you've been doing this for two minutes. And that's that's especially true for leaders. You know, you don't have to have all the answers. You have to be able to ask the right questions. So surround yourself with clever, capable people. Learn to get comfortable asking for help and having a template like the stages of growth that's already figured it out can help you ask the right question because you don't know what you don't know. That's right. I think we've said that a couple of times today, huh? You don't know what you don't know. (laughs) That's our theme. But we know we can know because we have the seven stages of growth and Dobby and Steve to help. (laughs) And we love the work. Yeah. And we've really enjoyed talking with you, Susie. This has just been really fun this morning. Yeah, this has. It's been a very easy conversation. I knew it would be great. That's why I wanted you (laughs) both to be here and share your wonderful selves. So Thank you so much for the good work you're doing. And thank you for sharing your your goodness with the Wake Up Eager Workforce listeners. Appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. It's great. I hope you enjoyed this introduction to the seven stages of growth and could feel the passion and excitement Steve and Dobby have around this process. I, I like the examples that they shared. And we've got an image of the seven stages, which which we talk about, where you can see it in the show notes. So go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash seven stages. You can see how comprehensive it is and how it clarifies what companies should focus on in each stage of the growth. So it is like a breath of fresh air. It is beautiful. That was some of our languaging and our discussion because it's just it's such clarity when you have a models are really helpful because it can help you make sense of what's next. They're not always all perfect, but they are super duper helpful. I mean, I love a good model. And I think if you're a business owner or in a business with less than 500 employees, you're going to want to go look at that model and perhaps reach out to Dobby and Steve. They have a seven stages quiz that we will have in the show notes that you can take. And there's no obligation, but it'll be an opportunity for you to kind of see the questions and think through, you know, and I think they will get with you and go through it if you're interested to see how you scored and, and get more information. So if you feel like there's excessive chaos in your organization, If you feel like you're drowning, if you feel like you just have lack of clarity of focus or want more focus, it's probably worth evaluating and looking at the seven stages. I know a lot of different organizations over the years who have used it. So pricelessprofessional.com forward slash seven stages for all the good information. Uh, You can see our latest episodes at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. If you check that out, it'll also point you to our directory. And the bottom of that page is an opportunity to sign up for our newsletter where we kind of do monthly notices, very quick kind of highlight of some of the things that we're doing and some of these episodes. We always love it if you love the love any episodes that we do or you find it useful or helpful to leave us a review. If you don't mind doing that, it helps other people find us, helps us know that uh, somebody's listening and somebody's engaged and likes it because we try to put good energy and good thought into what we're providing so that you really are getting tools to create and build a wake up eager workforce. And so that is our focus, not just tools, but inspiration, motivation, 
the knowing that it is possible and that other organizations and other people are finding their way towards this idea of wake up eager workforce, people that are engaged and committed and want to be there and want to do the work with low drama. So it is our directory is at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. Our app is at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash review, pricelessprofessional.com. And if I can help you, if you have any suggestions for other episodes or questions about anything that we do over at Priceless, give me a shout at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E. Meanwhile, do what you can today to have a great day. Do what you can today because everything that you do today builds up to what's happening next. And uh, great days and a wake up of your life begin with day by day having having effective days, productive days, days that feel right to you. And so you just take care and keep waking up eager. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 